Boom. We are recording. Today I have on <laughs> William Watherington. He is a current student at Launch School in coding boot camp that, well, I guess it's not really a coding boot camp. It's a yeah. long, long form educational experience that teaches people to master software engineering. It's the slow path for studious beginners. And it's a really, really interesting school that we're going to talk a little bit about today. So I wanted to bring William on because he is completing this learning to code journey while he is a full-time employee and has a very full-time significant other. He's got a lot of other stuff going on in his life. So I want to talk to him about how he's balancing learning to code with all that. So William, thank you for coming on today. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. For sure. Uh, so <laughs> you saw this list of questions. We're going to just knock out whatever we can in the little bit of time. But um, for the first one, for anyone that doesn't really know, can you talk a little bit about what Launch School is and why it appealed to you for a way to learn coding? Yeah. Um, so there's an insane amount. There's a million different ways out there that all try to advertise the same thing about like, I want to learn how to code. And everyone seems to be selling that option or having some way to do that. And so launch school uh, is part of that crazy slew and it's easy to get mixed in. But um, from what I've seen and what I've researched, it's very distinctly different for a few critical reasons. And um, a lot of it, luckily, they actually wrote about. So they could, if you're ever curious, like there's an insane amount of stuff you could read on their website, which is awesome. But the short and simple is that instead of trying to get people from like point A of not knowing anything to point B or Z or C or whatever it is of like, you can actually, you have a marketable professional skill set that you can do things with. Um, instead of trying to force that into a specific timeline, like you go to school for four years and whether you understand 100% or 50%, like you're pretty much done after that. Um, instead of doing that, they focus on removing the time barrier and making sure you actually understand every step of the way, starting with the very fundamental, fundamental things so that by the time you get to the end of it, you understand not only all the crazy little nuances of the tools and stuff out there that you need to have, you know, a very valuable skill set. We also understand why those are the important skills and all the fundamentals that they're built on top of that are underpinning the whole system. So at the end of it, un, unlike a lot of the different options out there that kind of crash course you through a lot of the stuff, some things you pick up really well, some things you kind of glaze over and a lot of stuff is in the middle um, and you end up with kind of a patchwork of skill sets. Um, it says they're going to be uncompromising where every single step of the way, you, they want to make sure you understand every single step so that you could have like a long-term career and you could build on other things on top of that solid foundation. Um, and they go super in depth onto it on their website and whatnot, but that's, that's kind of the core, the core fundamental is uh, ideas that focus on the fundamentals from the beginning and make sure you understand and master every single step before you move on so that you have something you could build on top of. Awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got out of what I've read so far. And like you mentioned, I think, I think the, the biggest thing you mentioned, we're probably familiar with this because I know we both read a lot about launch school. You're in launch school, but for people that don't know, uh, a big part of what Will is talking about is that the the time there's not a specific time frame that you're supposed to complete this course in, and uh, they really take this to the extreme with what they call mastery based learning, where you don't move on to a new concept until you've mastered the one prior to that. And if you ever run up against an issue of your understanding in one of these fundamentals, it's encouraged that you go back. And there's ways to check your progress throughout the course. 
Now, I haven't taken it yet. Will you have? Can you talk a little bit about some of the differences with this course, with how those fundamentals are reinforced throughout the course, and how you check your actual learning? So you have these hard sort of gates to pass through that let you know, yes, I can be confident in my ability at this point, or no, I need to, you know, redress some of these issues. Can you talk about how that's been in the course compared to maybe any other comparable learning experiences you've had? Yeah. Um, so I also did a handful of different, or I've done a handful of like other free options and some different things before it. So comparing it to awesome. those ones, um, some of the big differences is instead of like a lot of things out of the gate, they're like, let's build this random little web app yeah. so that you feel like you did something and you like put it on the fridge or whatever and be happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Instead they start, with like much more of the like learning the details of like like the syntax and kind of the mechanics of it so yeah. that you can kind of commit those to memory before you try before you start trying to solve problems and then so for instance most of the prep course you're going through very kind of fundamentals about uh they they begin with ruby for their coding language so you go yeah. through like how to read the ruby documentation how to like if you don't know what um, a specific method does how to look it up what the different, like they even go to the detail of when you pull up the Ruby documentation, like what the different sections have, how to use that to cross-reference and see like related uh, methods or how to see like things upstream from it, like what it's built on top of and things like that. And then you actually go through and have tons of exercises. So you go through the mechanics of these over and over and over again. Um, and then the actual checkpoint of like whether you understand a skill set enough is done by, um, they have assessments. And those, and this is critical because you can do stuff self-paced and spend your entire life learning whatever you want. But a lot of times, like it's also good to know not only that you've learned enough, but also it's good to know what that threshold is. So you don't spend too long on things going into too nuanced details that are not really critical for um, like if you're trying to become a software engineer, because you can go too deep into stuff and get off track. So the way they kind of find that sweet spot for what's enough and what's a good level is they have these assessments that they, um, they structured similar to coding interviews. So if you're like in Silicon Valley and going to some startup for an interview, um, it's similar where you have, they give you problems and it's a, it's a, you're streaming and you're talking to them over, uh, over that. So you actually solve the problem and as you code it and uh, go through the problem, you actually talk through the whole thing so that they could get an understanding of your approach to it, your understanding. They could actually see you type up the code so they could see kind of your approach and um, if it makes sense and if you have a good logical understanding of the problem and then also a good handle of the mechanics to make sure you're able to execute the code well. So they're able to differentiate between whether you are weak or strong on like just things like syntax and formatting or if the bottleneck is the actual understanding the logic of the problem so that they could help guide um, if you do need to like shore up any of that stuff. They're able to help give you very specific feedback on what types of things to focus on. And then, um, and that's where it's, uh, they're kind of famous for having like a B plus doesn't let you pass. Like you have to get an A, otherwise you're going back and spending time um, learning or spending time deep, more deeply understanding the topics. And then that's kind of how the whole thing is structured where you have kind of a pretty big body of work or body of kind of exercise and work focused on learning one kind of core topic. So like learning HTTP or learning like fundamentals of SQL or learning uh, like the fundamentals of Ruby and then learning like object oriented Ruby and all these like kind of different modules. And then when you're, you get to the end of it, 
there's either this like live coding assessment or some of them are like a project-based one where you have like 24 hours or 48 hours to like complete some sort of project um, or some combination of those types of things. And that's kind of the checkpoint where if you're done with it, um, one, you get kind of the external validation of someone who's way more experienced than you saying like, yeah, they're, they're at a good spot, but also it gives you a lot of confidence because like you, it's usually a pretty, you're completing something that's a pretty big task at that point. Um, that gives you a pretty good confidence that you understand all the different pieces that went into the assessment or the test or the project. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like everything builds on itself logically. And I love how you talked about the teaching you had to go through the documentation for some of the Ruby methods because ah, that's one of those things I wouldn't even think about as a you know person who has a only minor amount of experience coding. But I do remember going through looking at how different methods work in Python and JavaScript during some of my you know, previous little coding experiences and just having such a huge pain when different methods go through updates and not knowing what the base foundation for those methods was and feeling like it's all just these little magic boxes I'm trying to read documentation on. Uh, so learning about everything upstream of those sounds like really awesome thing to learn that seems like it is kind of left out of a lot of curriculum. Yeah. And actually just tying or touching on that really quick, like mm -hmm. a lot of courses and stuff that are trying to get you to build something cool and flashy right out of the gate. Um, you learn different frameworks or different things which do get the job done, but you don't understand what's working behind the scenes. So launch school, um, they always say that like it, yeah, eventually, eventually you will learn all the different um, frameworks because they exist for a reason because they make certain jobs and tasks easier and more efficient. Um, but they don't actually teach frameworks. They teach the fundamentals because they want you to get to the point where not only do you understand what each framework is, like what the trade-offs are for the different ones, but also they want to get to the point where like you could build your own if you wanted to. And some of the launch school students actually have done that to some degree. Like they built little mini sample ones and different things for exercises. And it's oh. totally true. Like you can actually like unpack the code for the different things. And actually it takes a while and whatnot, but you could actually kind of go through and you have kind of the confidence and framework to understand the different pieces if you want to, which is super cool. Wow. Okay. That's super exciting. I had seen actually, they have some copy like that on one of the homepages that says something like, you know, do you want to know how to build a framework or do you want to just be able to barely use one? <laughs> something like that. I'm paraphrasing horribly, but, uh, so you, you're saying some of the launch school students actually have built like really lightweight or like mini little frameworks that they've been able to use. Yeah. And that was like, that's way earlier in the courses than you'd expect. Like people have done some pretty cool stuff for building um, frameworks. And then if you go down all the way to the other end, when once people are done and working the capstone groups, those those groups build very like high level, like very, uh, very impressive projects that are like professional grade. Like these are like real capstone, like interview ready projects and stuff that they put together and they go around and a lot of them go to different uh, talks and actually give talks on these at different conferences. Um, so like when you get to that point, it's like very, very impressive stuff. But like even like halfway through the program, you, the first half is back end stuff. The second half is front end stuff. Like around the end of the back end stuff, um, I think it was only like a year ago, one of the guys actually put together kind of a lightweight framework that you could build stuff on top of. And I was like, that's crazy that someone who's been doing this for like, I'm not sure how long he'd been doing it, but it's uh, like halfway through the course being able to put, understand things deeply enough where you can start building your own um, tools and stuff. Yeah, that's so, that's really exciting. 
Man, there's so many different ways I could go with this. I'm going to have to do a huge intro because like right now, this podcast is super tailored to people who already have a very high interest in launch school and are just interested in some of the fine details. But I'll uh, do more of a pitch for the school overall in the intro when I edit cool. this. <laughs> so let's keep rolling with this, this uh, line of thinking. So, okay. So you're in the school. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how far you are, what your opinion is so far, where you're trying to go with this? Yeah. Um, I I started May of last year, so I'm like a year and a half in roughly. Oh, wow. And from the course standpoint, I think it's hard to gauge because courses take different lengths, but just looking at the numbers or so, I'm about three quarters of the way through. Oh, um, and so who knows, the last bit will be like on the same pace as the other ones. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's been, it's been a pretty, it's been my major like outside of work um, focus and commitment for a decent while now. And um, at this point, I finished all the back-end courses, and I'm working through the front-end courses. So now I'm learning, um, like, the back-end stuff talks about, uh, like, the actual back-end, like, a programming language that works the back-end. So they use Ruby, and then um, you go over, like, SQL and HTTP, and then some of the frameworks that help tie all of that together. And then now I'm working more on the front-end side, so I'm going through the JavaScript fundamentals right now. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Man. <laughs> that is wild people will spend so long on this course and i know it's because it's so thorough if I, I looked at the hour estimates and they're pretty substantial i know i think the, for the two parts of the course the regular one and the capstone you know capstone obviously being more intense and compressed they're both about i think like it's like 800 to 1600 hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> what has your schedule been like so this is the most interesting part to me because I know that on Launch School's website, they recommend a minimum of 15 to 20 hours a week. And I know that between, you know, the study habits of different people, that 15 to 20 hours will be, there'll be huge variability in how much someone actually gets done. So obviously we just have one data point, but what has your experience been? What is the average amount you're studying week to week? What does that look like? Does it change a lot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when I started off, that was kind of the threshold where I heard the same weird tribal knowledge of like, spend 15 hours a week at a minimum. Totally. Um, no one, it doesn't seem like it, it comes up all the time. No one knows where it came from, but it's kind of this like <laughs> urban truth, I urban. guess. But yeah, but um, when I was deciding whether or not to jump in while also working full time and stuff, that was a big concern. So um, I went through their free prep course, which is a good, uh, it's a good, it's representative of the rest of the course in terms of um, just time commitment and kind of the, if, if, that, if you could get that to work with your schedule, then the rest of it's pretty in line with that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went through that and I kind of set the bar for myself for having to be, if I can commit like 15 hours a week. Um, and if that works, then I'll go full time. Um, and I was able to, and it's been for the first, first year, it was probably like 15 to 20 hours, closer to 20 hours. Um, and then life got crazy. Like my boss, both of my bosses at work switched to other roles. So I became like the sole person in my group that like knew all the weird like oh, nuances wow. of the job. Yeah. Um, and then I also like moved apartments and I decided to make my life more complicated. And I got, um, I started like an Airbnb thing just on the side. So it's been a, <laughs> it's been a weird, <laughs> yeah. So the last six months I, pr maybe I, I might've overextended a little bit, but, um, so that month where everything hit, like the job stuff and the move all happened, it dropped to pretty, I pretty much took a month break. Like I dabbled here and there and it was like maybe five hours a week, um, mm -hmm. just during that crazy transition. And then since then, um, 
it's pretty much been at 15 hours a week. So it hasn't, it's of that 15 to 20 hours, it's on the lower side. But after that kind of month of, of craziness, then um, gotten it back up to about 15. And ideally I'd like to go more, but realistically for balancing everything out, that's been, that's been pretty much the manageable level for me right now. Okay. Wow. So right, still, still right in that urban legend sweet zone. (laughs) And actually talking to that really quick, I do think that's probably a good, um, again, it's super arbitrary, but Mm -hmm. if you think about it, um, like it takes about, let's say an hour to an hour and a half to really get into the groove of something. So you Mm -hmm. don't really, or I mean, that's like kind of the, at least for myself, the minimum block of time for like getting, being able to think about harder problems and actually being able to work through some new, like new material. Mm -hmm. Um, and then so plus some weird fluff on the ends and whatnot and rework and kind of going back and learning. Like if you think around two hours or so um, is probably kind of the daily goal for myself to be able to review some stuff, have a little fluff for misunderstandings or um, whatever inefficiencies, and then having like a solid hour to hour and a half to like really dig into new stuff or deeper understanding. And then that times seven days, just so there's like the constant touches. So you don't like forget stuff and you could keep that review session pretty short. Um, That's for myself, at least where right around 15 hours makes sense, where it's pretty much two hours for pretty much every day. Um, A little bit longer on the weekends, you could dig a little deeper in some of the, some of the stuff that you've been stuck on. So I think at least for myself, that's where that number kind of rings true, where that's just kind of a good session and a pretty regular cadence. Okay. I love that setup because that just seems so reasonable to where, you know, in, only under the most extreme circumstances could, could you not fit that in if you really, really, really wanted to, because yeah, getting at least some solid deep learning every day of the week, and then maybe a little more here and there when you can, that's really reasonable. So if you're doing this sort of schedule or that's kind of like your, your, your baseline that you're layering all your studying on top of what's, what does that look like for you? Is this one time in the morning or is it, you know, split up on some days? Um, what are the different kind of options you give yourself for, okay, if I'm going to study a lot today, I break it up like this. If it's minimum, I do it like this. Yeah. Um, it used to be way messier when I first started just because my work schedule and whatnot. So I used to do 45 minutes before work. Like I'd go to work and then just sit downstairs in the lobby and look ridiculous and have my laptop out and wave to all my coworkers and stuff. Um, and then I would do 45 minutes at lunch and then I would do, um, around an hour or so after work. And that was just like how things worked. Um, recent, or I guess it's been, I don't know, maybe four or five months now. Um, I switched my schedule at work. So I just show up an hour early now. So now I still do like half hour to 45 minutes at lunch. And I usually use that for kind of the review stuff, make sure I remember or kind of work through whatever little things. And then, so when I come home after work, I could spend kind of a solid unbroken block of like one to two hours on kind of the deeper learning stuff, which has worked out. It's a way better setup. So, um, so that's been, that's been pretty good. Okay. That's interesting. And you say it's better just because you have that unbroken time block every day. Yeah. Yeah. So not splitting up because before I had three different blocks and that was, I would get stuff done for those like shorter half hour to 45 minute blocks, but it was, it's, I didn't get a lot of like very deep learning stuff done. So um, it was good for like the review or for um, just going through like exercises to stay fresh on certain things I learned, but not really for digging deeper into some new topic. Interesting. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. This is cool. That's pretty, that's definitely pretty reasonable. And I I remember reading some real intense stuff about 
how you're studying. Like, I think you had some like screen extender for your like <laughs> laptop or something that you're using to have like two screens in your car open so you could study code. Like what made <laughs> you so, I guess, just persistent and dedicated in this journey to learning code? Have you, have you just wanted to for a long time or, or is there anything in particular that makes you so dedicated to this? Um, well, first of all, to the two screens, that was mostly because after like four or five different windows trying to <laughs> organize that, it gets a little crazy. Yeah. Um, and I totally recommend it for, I just bought an iPad and there's a little, I forget what it's called. It's, I don't know, but it's some little clip that lets you just clip it to the side of your laptop and it works amazingly well as a second screen. Mm -hmm. um, and the dedication side, I don't know exactly what that is. That's part of that's I don't know, personality, I've always been, like my mom always joked where I would just sit in my room and play with like one Lego set for like six hours at a time. So like yeah, I have some, maybe part of it's like some weird tunnel vision thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I think like about three years ago or something, I had not sure what the catalyst was, but it got like super focused on like, I want to like achieve these kind of, or I want to like, I, I had a much clearer, idea of what I was going for and then that made everything else a lot simpler for um, as a motivator and as kind of a way to simplify and choose what I want to work on and so I'm not really sure but it's I mean I think everyone's had different things in their lives where when you want it you want it really badly and um, it's not like a huge sacrifice to to do kind of odd things now and then but um, yeah this isn't a super good or clear actionable answer but um, <laughs> I guess maybe that just ties to spending enough time to understand your why, like your core motivator um, yeah. before making the decision. And if that is, if you, if you have that clearly understood and if it's something that really deeply resonates with you, I think the motivation in that side follows more naturally in general. Yeah, no, totally. I think getting clear on why you're doing anything, especially after you've been at it a certain amount of time or you're putting in a certain amount of effort, at some point it almost becomes necessary. You know, you're spending a year and a half doing this every week, like pushing all your non-work time. I think it's pretty much necessary at that point. So for you, can you talk at all or would you be open to sharing at all? Some of your, some of your why for why you're trying to do this. I mean, it sounds like you're you know, already pretty successful. You're renting out a house, got a pretty good full-time job, everything else what makes you want to go into this completely separate type of career field? Yeah. Um, so the whole, what my like core motivators are, I don't know when yeah. exactly, but maybe three or four years ago, okay. um, I just sat around a lot, I guess. And the things I came up with as, uh, I want like my four kind of core freedoms and my freedom of time, like being able to spend my time how I want and, mm -hmm. um, do things when I want to, and then freedom of location. So if I want to like physical location, if I want to move around to a better spot or a different spot, um, but also location in terms of like who you're working with and your community and who you surround yourself with. Um, I want the freedom to optimize that as much as possible. And then freedom of like mind, which is more of a discipline. So like spending time exercising, like control over your own mind and emotions and that side, which helps with everything else. And then, uh, and then freedom of body. So making sure like from a health and physical standpoint, at a minimum, it's not limiting you from the other things. Um, and then ideally, it would open up other options and stuff down the road. And so given those things, like the big, my big limiting factors right now are uh, time and location, where I do like a lot about my job and 
I like this job more than any other job I've had. And um, fairly, I think I'm okay at it. They, <laughs> my coworkers think I'm okay at it. So um, <laughs> like, it isn't like a pain point in terms of something I'm trying to get away from. Mm-hmm. But it does have the limiting factor where I do have to be in a specific spot and I do have to go into the office in specific hours. So my time and my location freedom or my time and my location aren't completely mine to choose. Um, so even if I had like all the money in the world and all that stuff, I probably would be doing exactly what I'm doing, but I want to buy back the option of doing something else if I want to. And so that led to a bunch of other stuff where coding became a potential tool, which made my skill set and my value in the workplace or the value I can create and, um, and whatnot a little less, a little less industry and a little less institution um, dependent. So right now my value mostly is because of the industry knowledge I have from working in the same industry for about five years. And then the institution knowledge I have where I know a lot about my company. And so mm-hmm. if I went to any other company, I could do the same job I'm doing. I get paid less because I know less about their company. And if I went to a different industry, I'd be paid even less because I lose both those things. So coding to me is a much more, industry and institution agnostic skill set to mm-hmm. make give me a skill set that I could potentially use to open up other options to get more time freedom and more location freedom. So that was the long-winded thing. But <laughs> those are that's kind of the core motivator that I'm shooting for. And the yeah. pain points are the flip side where I don't have the freedom of moving around or spending my time exactly how I want right now. Man, that was like a perfect answer. I feel like you like <laughs> <laughs> I just great. I run through it in my head all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta motivate yourself. That was really good though. No, I totally agree with so much of that. Um man, it's really interesting. I can't emphasize how much I agree with that enough. Uh the thing about the skills, I totally agree. I was actually in the military and I that was a big fear I had when I was in there is you know, these skills are all proprietary to military very specific industry. Not a lot of them translate anywhere. And like you said, even in a lot of big companies, uh, you have these proprietary skills that are like industry specific. They're not something that you can offer on an open market and having those skills that you can offer on an open market at a standard price, you know, for anything you want to do. And coding is a great example because there's pretty standard price you pay for different levels of developers on contract salaried. And then there's, that's not even to mention all the things you can do, you know, if you get a different contract as part of a team or a long-term or you create your own products and value that way. So it's like, I do agree in terms of optionality. It seems like it's one of, if not the best skills to have, especially the kind they're teaching at launch school, which is web apps and some of the most common uses for coding. So yeah, I totally agree with that. And then the four things too, defining what you want in terms of the freedoms that it gets you. That's awesome. I've never heard of that. I'm wondering if you came up with that yourself or is that something you read and adopted or where does that come from? I'm sure I'm stealing from a whole bunch of different people, (laughs) but those specific terms and phrases, um, I typically attribute to myself and it, uh, it's kind of, kind of, I think it all ties eventually back to a, a, there's a weird random book called Flatland, which is, I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's like this, have, yeah. it was written by, I think it was like some maybe math professor or something, but it was written by some guy way back in like the 1800s, I think. I should probably know more about the book I based so much of my life on, but um, <laughs> so in that, yeah, it's just to try to not go on too long, but it's, um, if you think of a plane, so a 2D plane, and all the people on this plane are just like shapes and stuff. And then they have no conception of the third dimension. So you can't talk about like three dimensional stuff. Everything's on a plane. 
Um, and then one of the squares gets picked up by a sphere and picks it up and shows him like, here's what you live in this whole plane. And the square's mm-hmm. like, this is crazy. And so he has this like crazy mind altering experience. And then the sphere puts him back on the plane and the little square runs around and tries to tell everyone else about the third dimension. And they think he's crazy and they lock him up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that whole idea of um, wherever you are, like the whole plane of existence, like there's this other dimension you can't even conceive of that's at a right angle to everything else. And that's how they kind of describe dimensions. Um, And from that, the whole idea of like wherever I am right now, like wherever I want to end up or wherever, like the perfect place for me to be is probably something I can't actually conceive of. So instead of trying to like, I don't know, limit myself to the options I see right now, I, instead of doing that, like find the core seed of like the thing you're the best at, the thing you can add the most value in, um, and then like hyper-focus on that because that'll potentially open up options for like these kind of big paradigm shifts and whatnot. And then so from there, like this whole kind of philosophy of like everything breaks down into four where like you have these two fixed points where you can't achieve 100% freedom of time. You can't achieve 100% freedom of location because that's pretty much like when you have enough money or when you have enough skill sets, those open up those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mind and body are more like the d- kind of infinite goals where those are always going to be disciplines you have to work on kind of evolved out of that that idea so i don't know exactly where it came from some mix of that and a million other books and much smarter people than me but um that's been the distilled version for myself for quite a while here nice that's that's interesting that's super interesting and before we get back on the rails with this interview i want to stay (laughs) off a little more you said those are infinite goals. Can you talk a little bit about how, why the kind of like developing your mind and body freedom for you is an infinite goal compared to maybe some of these career goals that relate to the location and time freedom? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's mostly where some goals like freedom of time and location are things you can literally calculate exactly when that tipping point is. So for instance, yeah. I see freedom of location as as soon as I have a skill set where I could go anywhere in the world and still get a job and cover my cost of living, then I have freedom of location. Yeah. Um, so the coding, that's very easy to figure out exactly like when that'll be. And yeah. also, and then for the time one, that's similar. It's just kind of taking a step farther where if you have um, enough money to cover your cost of living forever, then you have freedom of time because you don't have to work ever again. Um, and then, so that, if you ever get into the whole, like the fire community, the whole financial independence, retire early community, there's like a bunch of very simple ways you could figure out given my cost of living, here's exactly how much money I need invested like conservatively. So I can do whatever I want forever. So those two make sense. Like you can measure them, you can set goals, you could track them. Um, the mind and body ones are different because those are, uh, those are susceptible. Well, the body is susceptible to all sorts of breakdown and decay and disease and stuff and it does disappear eventually so that's something those and the mind is something where if you don't do anything with it it won't improve um and those are things which since they're different types of goals instead of like trying to track these kind of big tipping points and stuff it's more about developing the disciplines for maintaining that and um yeah so those are you kind of at least for myself i have to approach them a little differently where actually trying to develop habits and internalize them. So it just becomes automatic. So you can build on them over the long run. And that's where a lot of the ideas of like all the compound interest stuff and all the virtuous cycle things come into play and all the like building habits comes into play so that it 
it's not a task and something that can like build on itself and you get those like long-term gains of um, just being happy and healthy because those are huge limiting factors where if you're if you're chronically like pain in pain and stuff then kind of gets in the way of everything else so those are just kind of the long-term goals which you have to make them a part of yourself in the long run versus like checkpoints to achieve yes yeah they're not necessarily anything you're going to check off at a new point hmm. that's really interesting i appreciate you sharing that a little bit more i know that's not necessarily <laughs> the topic of this podcast but that's a really interesting way yeah, people are going to come here for launch school and be totally thrown for, for a pretty big <laughs> <loop> here. <laughs> hopefully hopefully they enjoy it um okay so I just have a few more questions that are going to get I got one or two that are real specific and then maybe one or two more general ones. Uh, I know we're kind of running out of time here. Um, so one of the really specific ones, just going completely opposite direction is, you know, a big concern a lot of people have is they want to learn the latest things in software engineering, latest frameworks. Uh, Ruby on Rails is not a new framework. A lot of people really, it's kind of polarizing. A lot of people don't like it. They're like, ah, it's falling out of favor. It's a waste. What do you think about learning Ruby? Like, how do you look at it? I know a lot of people right now for backend technologies would just say, Hey, just learn, just learn Python. It's used way more. Why wouldn't you learn that? So what would you <laughs> yeah. say to those people? What has your experience been? How do you look at it? Yeah. Um, I forget who, but some, one of the podcasts I was listening to or someone someone that I just accept everything they say with un, like unbiased or unfiltered belief. Um, they're talking about how when you're choosing like what to learn or what to invest your time and you're like, like we have very finite time and money and resources and stuff like what to spend your time on. Um, in the beginning, a lot of the times the biggest factor is like who, what's the best teacher you have access to. And I think that's super, super true in this case where, if you had the same exact version of launch school in terms of support, the network, the material, the like the mindset and everything, and but you had the same thing but stamped out for every different option out there, then I think that's a valid thing to start deciding like, okay, maybe for where I am and the jobs and the companies here, like maybe this is what I want to choose um, for that reason. But I guess the first step I'd say is like, of all the things I've researched and seen, like there's nothing similar or even close to the level of like just depth of knowledge you'll learn, um, at least for myself, what I've seen. So yeah. for me, that kind of, I didn't even consider that at that point where it's like whatever, like I just trust their direction so much where um, whatever they say the path is for learning, um, I'll just go with that. And that's by far the best like coaching network support and material I've ever found. So that was probably the biggest factor I'd say where if like go with the best coach that you have available to, because that's a bigger factor than, like whatever you spent, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you're going to be learning for the next like 10 years of whatever you're trying to do in coding. So the biggest advantage in the beginning, the limiting factor isn't what language you choose. It's the coach you have, the material you have, the, the peers you have and stuff. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second thing is like, I think the launch school um, curriculum was done very intentionally because everyone there, all the teachers and all the different TAs are like, they're very, very good at this and have done it, uh, it professionally for quite a long time before they decided to focus on um, teaching and everything. So I think it was a very intentional decision and still is. And I hacked around with JavaScript enough and some other different languages enough before to have an understanding of syntax and whatnot. But after going pretty deep into Ruby, I, like, I do think, at least for that, if you've never done coding before and learning how to code, um, Ruby 
like the trade-off it made compared to other languages is it tried to be very expressive and it has a lot of built-in like they call it syntactical sugar of just like weird magic stuff behind the scenes that make things work um, so it has a lot more of that than other languages um, and that's a trade-off like an intentional trade-off the language creator had to make it more readable more accessible more intuitive um, and that makes for a first language to learn I think it actually makes a lot of sense so you don't get super caught up in like did I remember or forget this random like period or comma or dot or semicolon somewhere or did I indent enough times or whatever where it makes the barrier of entry or I guess it lets you it lets you get past the learning the mechanics of the language and move to the actual problem solving the deeper thing parts of the language much quicker and those are the things that are really more important that are going to translate to every other language you learn and then so um, and the nice thing is like if you have a very deep understanding of the, pro the problem solving side of it then you can pick up other languages much more quickly and then so a lot of people that go through the launch school program they get jobs and they never touch Ruby in their actual job and they're learning all sorts of other things. Um, but because they understand the language so deeply and understand like programming as a, like as a tool so deeply, they're able to pick up other languages very quickly. Um, and a lot of that's helped out by the fact that you don't have to spend as much time at the very beginning um, dealing with just the mechanics of the language as opposed to digging into the core kind of philosophy of programming. So for the whole value side of it, it's like I think that's it's much harder to learn the pro, the problem solving side than the mechanics of a language. So I like first of all they're better coaches, so I go with them anyway. But then in retrospect, I also think it was intentional because it lets them focus more on the long term skills that are transferable to any language you want to pick up down the road. So that was <laughs> that's my take on it. No, totally not having to focus on just mastering the syntax just to be able to get to the problem solving part. Because yeah, that totally makes sense. Solving problems with code, there's fundamental lessons you're gonna learn that are gonna translate regardless of syntax. So that's, uh, yeah, I, that totally makes sense to me. Um, so just a couple more. One of the ones I'm really curious about now, because you haven't talked about it at all, which I'm very surprised, is what you plan to do. Like what you're, you mentioned remote. so. Does your ideal outcome just you know equate to you going and getting a remote software engineering job? Do you want to start building products on your own on the side? What would your ideal outcome for this experience be? Yeah, um, that is a good question. <laughs> and, um, so that I don't actually have a super clear, clear like vision of the future. And I chose the decision to learn how to code. Um, I kind of followed. A mental model or framework that uh, Nassim Taleb talks about in Antifragile and a handful of his other books where it's very hard to predict like what the future is going to look like in a lot of scenarios but it's possible to measure the downside of things and measure the risk of things and then so I looked at all the different skills and things I could spend time learning um, to get more of those four different freedoms I want and then I looked at what would happen in the worst case scenario like if I lost everything like what would happen and like the whole idea is like, don't bet the farm, like don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And so in that case, um, worst, worst case scenario, like if I use, if I don't leverage this new skill at all, um, I'll be in the same job doing the same stuff, but it'll actually make, I'll be able to do my job much better because there's a lot of things that what I'm learning now have already helped with my current job. And then on top of that, there's a very high likelihood I'll be able to switch within my own company to a job that's a little bit more in line with this new stuff. 
So to me, the downside was basically zero, like a little bit of opportunity cost. But realistically, worst case scenario, I have the same job that I can do better, or I have a slightly different job in the same company that I enjoy more. So there's like basically no downside. And then the upside is kind of all the stuff you touched on where it's like, I am super curious about starting my own companies or starting or building my own tools or building things like that. And I'm also curious about the remote option for even just switching to a different company that I free up the location option earlier. Um, and I'm not actually sure. So it's like I read and listen to a ton of stuff and um, I'm always thinking about different side hustle ideas and testing different things out. But it's, I don't have a clear idea for the upside, but it's just, there's pretty much no downside. So I figured might as well roll the dice and then it opens up a lot of really interesting upside potential things. And so no clear thing, but it's hopefully we'll see. I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. No, that's awesome. I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat to be honest. I don't, I'm not like, oh, I need to get a better job. I got to get out of like, <laughs> but at the same time, I agree that when I look at all the things I could spend time learning, it's, I mean, it's hard to really find a skill that would compare. Um, and certainly not a learning option. <laughs> Definitely yeah. more compelling uh, with something like Launch School. It's a, it's a good problem to have too, because like if you have a act, like an acute pain point where you just hate your boss, hate your job or whatever, and you're trying to escape from that, it's very tough to like invest the right type of time and focus into something as long-term as Launch School because you're so focused on trying to escape where you are. It's a divergent goal um, where you, you don't know where you want to end up, but you know you don't want to be here. And those are very hard to do. Um, whereas like I'm, I am, uh, in a pretty comfortable spot, which is nice where like, I like who I work with. I like my job for the most part. So it's much more of a convergent goal where I'm trying to find like, what's the perfect fit for myself long-term, whether in my current role or outside. Um, I think that's a lot easier to, or a much better position to be in if you're trying to learn a new skill. Not you, sometimes it's not an option, but, um, when that's the option, that's always the better place to be, to be able to be not in a divergent spot, but being trying to converge on where you're on a, like a more ideal spot to be, even though it's confusing. <laughs> but No, totally. Yeah. I mean, when you're trying to really optimize it, it gets a little more nuanced than just getting out of a bad situation. <laughs> okay. I swear this is the second to last question. So for, for, uh, for launch school, you're, you're through three fourths, which is awesome. Uh, how much do you feel your skill has improved? What sort of abilities do you now possess that you didn't before and are you headed to capstone or are you just going to stick with the fundamentals course yeah um in terms of skill set there's like the tangible stuff where there's just a ton of stuff i couldn't do before um and we're now if i actually want to build like i started i switched up uh i noticed i was gaining a little bit more weight because i was sitting in my car at lunch and <laughs> just sitting around on the computer after work too um, so I started to exercise a little bit more regularly and I was like, it'd be great to be able to track some of this stuff. And um, instead of doing what the normal person do, would do and what I probably should have done and just download one of the billion apps out there, I'm like, let me make my own. So in like about a week or so, I put together like a super, super simple, like just to track weight, track exercise, be able to create different like workout things. Um, and like, it's a very basic, basic little project. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's like the the stuff you put on the fridge when you're in kindergarten type of a thing but still being able to actually like come up with the idea plan out what I want in there and actually build everything from like the whole the database side of things and then all the back-end stuff and then the front-end stuff and actually like publish it and now when I go to the gym I can log in and like put my stuff in there um, it's super rewarding so like being able to do that type of stuff is crazy and like 
something I would never have been able to do the full thing start to end before um, with any of the other like courses and free stuff I'd gone through. Like those ones I always had to like, I could do exactly what they taught me to do. Like if they showed me how to build a to-do list app, I could build a to-do list app and I could build 10 more if I wanted to, but I could never build something they didn't teach me to do. But so being able to, to have that is kind of a crazy, very tangible skill set. And then there's a huge, probably the realistically the bigger long-term like compound interest type of benefit is the intangible of like the problem solving approach and like the not only the learning style but how to kind of break down a problem and um break it up into different steps so that's something like in my current job we don't like nothing i do is like formal programming but there's a lot of other things which are sort of halfway lightweight or just different just kind of abstracted versions that overlap and um, and I've been building different tools actually for the different sales teams and stuff now. And before they were super hacked together, everything was copy and pasted. And every time I built anything, it would just increase the amount of time I had to spend troubleshooting it and fixing it. And it was like a nightmare, but now like totally like in the last year, that's the biggest tan, like it's the biggest like measurable improvement I've seen where the tools and things I build, I take a lot more time on the front end designing it, but like once it's built, it's scalable. It, it doesn't take troubleshooting time. I could teach other people how to manage it and it works like way better. And like, that's the side that that's transferable. Like that's not a language specific thing. That's just like the actual, like the problem solving approach that is totally, I attribute hundred percent to launch school. That's been super, super valuable. So like there's the real skill set, like what I could put on a resume, but there's also like the actual confidence of like being able to solve problems and work through those more complex, um, more complex problems and build things that are robust and, and real, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is super cool. That's really awesome that you're able to build, build something for an actual use in your own life. That is super cool. And do you think you're going to go to the capstone or have you thought about that? <laughs> I have thought about it a lot. Um, okay. mostly because I think it would be incredibly fun and challenging and rewarding and like super fulfilling to work full time and focus hundred percent on like this project and work with other people who are in a similar spot. who have also invested a ton of their own time um, to this point. And I'm, so I do want to do it. It's just the timing of when that happens and that I'm not sure. Cause that's, that is very tough for me to figure out. So that's what I'm working through right now of like, when I either would quit my job and leave or take a leave of absence from there or some combination of the both, or if this would be this, like that would be the catalyst for pivoting completely to something different. Um, I'm not exactly sure. And that's something I'm working on a lot. I think the latest it would happen would be if any of these like random side hustle things I'm working on actually get to the point where they cover my cost of living where I, it's, I don't have to worry about the money side at all, then that would be the absolute latest I would do it. And it'd probably be sooner than that, depending on what options and where work stuff is at. But, Ooh, that's yeah. exciting. Yeah, definitely, definitely a whole nother consideration. Uh, super exciting nonetheless. Cool. Um, well, thank you, William. I really appreciate you taking the time to go into some of, you know, your experience in law school and some of your personal motivations and goals. I'm wondering, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to talk about or you think people should know if they're considering just learning to code in general or launch school specifically? Yeah. Um, actually, I think if anyone's thinking about learning any skill set in general, whether that's coding or not, 
Um, I think it's worthwhile to read through the pedagogy and all those kind of intro pages on Launch School, just because the way it broke down the different learning options and the different learning approaches and everything totally changed my perspective on all of it and shifted it where before I kept wishing I could quit and go to like some, go back to college and do programming through college. And all the boot camps were like a lesser version of that in my head where I wasn't getting the real thing. But now it's like, if I actually have the option of going full-time to school or doing launch school, like I think it becomes much more of a decision of what my end goal is. And um, like my whole perspective shifted on how to learn and how to approach those things. So I think like, I think everyone should totally read those pages just to see kind of that perspective, especially because so much more, as you kind of mentioned, is becoming this distributed workforce and this whole, like the industry is changing, the jobs that are available are changing hugely. So yep. people are all learning new skill sets. And I think this is a very useful framework to understand uh, when evaluating options. And then the second thing, um, Launch School recommends, like when you're in the prep, prep course, they have you actually read through a book called Mastery by George Leonard, I believe. And they, I don't know if it's a hard requirement or just a strong recommendation, but they have you read that before you start the course. And that book, like I picked it up and I started reading it Saturday morning and I literally just didn't get out of bed till I finished it. It's a, it's a fairly short book, but it's also like everything in there is very like so, so compelling for like how to approach learning and what the goal is and why, and like why long-term that's the best way to do it. And so if anything, I, I guess I'm just saying like, do what, do what launch school thinks is the best thing to do, which it's makes sense. I bought in pretty hard, but um, their pages are super helpful. And that book is super, super interesting to read through if you're thinking about learning skill set. Oh man, I totally agree. Their pedagogy and methodology pages, which I'll link uh, below this interview, are so good. It was mind blowing the first time I read it. I was like, "Why is this not everywhere?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really worth a read. Um, but anyway, William, uh, I want to thank you again for coming on. Um, I will cut the recording and we can go ahead and chat after this. But uh, thank you a lot for taking the time to come on. Cool. Thank you. It's awesome.